Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to the Shovel Pass Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm sitting here with my good buddies, Will Sawyer, Chris Heim, Phil Heim. It is the evening of March 8th, and there is big things happening in the NFL today. Uh, Number one on that list is Russell Wilson getting traded. Holy shit. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers getting a $200 million contract at the age of 38. Holy shit. And, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, he's out for the year because he gambled on football. Wah, wah. So we got, we, got, we got a couple things to talk about, um, among others. We'll see what else we get into. But how are we tonight, gen- tonight gents? Uh, it's good to see your faces. Let's talk some football. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's been a wild week. Uh, yeah, it certainly has. Wild week. Wild about six hours. Hasn't yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously... We need to talk about Russ first because this is probably one of the biggest trades ever in the NFL. Um, Denver parts with, make sure I get this right, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, uh, Shelby Harris, defensive tackle, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth round pick, and they get Russ and a fourth round pick back. So, um, now those two firsts, I don't know when those two firsts are. Are they this year? Are they next year? Have they have they given us that detail? I don't know if we have that one. I just know it's two firsts and two seconds. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen way. that detail yet. Either way, they're getting two firsts. Um, those two firsts, what maybe depending on what year they are, like next year. I mean, if the Seahawks are rolling with Drew Locke at quarterback, they may be pretty good. <laughs> maybe a pretty good first. <laughs> but nonetheless, a king's ransom for a, a quarterback who is elite in the prime of his career. He's 33 years old, and the way quarterbacks are playing. These days in 2022, he's probably got a good six or seven years conservatively absolutely, to play. Um, and, you know, the ceiling on that is probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially when it also takes care of his body, too. He puts over a million a year into his body, like, annually plus, right? So he's he, yeah. hard. Oh, yeah, he goes hard. I'm, I'm not shocked by that. The only injury he's ever had was this past season when he hurt his finger. And that being said, if you, if that's going to be your first injury, a finger's not a bad injury to have. Is that his only injury? That's his first injury of his career, to, to my understanding. Uh, he's been an know. Iron Man. I, I'm. That's been the first injury he's had that's made him miss games. No. To my understanding, it is. He's been an <laughs> Iron Man. Really? Yeah, I think I, so. I'm. I'm. 
feel like Gino's I'm not even calling bullshit like, on that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, since he was drafted in 2012, he has played 16 games in every single season oh, yeah, except right. this year. When he played, he played 14. 14. Told you. Wow. All right. He's an Iron Man. All right. Well, yeah. No, well, I mean, look at him. He's built like a tank. So, uh, <laughs> despite his um, diminutive stature, he he is a very well built quarterback, and he's thicker than most. So, um, like some of those really tall, gangly guys, you really you, you get concerned about. Like Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, athletically impressive, but I I worry a little bit about him taking some of those hits because he's he's a, a tad slight. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Wilson, nobody. I don't think anybody's ever described Russell Wilson as slight, <laughs> but nonetheless, he's nonetheless. I did have concern for him in general and his longevity if he stayed in Seattle, with their reluctance to provide a decent offensive line or invest in their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, they seemed satisfied to let just to let him cook and run around and and run for his life and throw on the run and do all the things that he's good at. But at some point he's just taking too many hits. And so if he stayed in Seattle and they kept at it the way they were, I don't see his career lasting to 40. Now he goes to Denver. Hopefully they can build a team around him a little bit differently. He's pro- uh, Remind me guys. Um, I'm looking at you, Chris and Phil, the O-lineman of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was Denver's O-line like this year? Excellent. Garrett Bowles, an excellent left tackle. All right. Fantastic. So he's he goes there. He's got a better O line, and uh, and he plays in a division that is just disgusting at, at quarterback. Not disgusting. nowhere else, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the but, thing. That that division. Phil and I were talking about this earlier. We think the NFC West is the better division, but the AFC West might have the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, Russell West is actually going to an easier division now. You think so? I absolutely think so. NFC West has had two of the last three Super Bowl participants. Coming and out. an all-West championship oh, round. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, outside of the Chiefs and the AFC West, like who really is, has been consistently competent? Not the Chargers, certainly not the Raiders. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. But they're strong teams. Yeah, strong all teams. Good teams. They haven't done anything yet. The Rams have, made, have had success. So the uh, the Car- not the Cardinals, but <laughs> the Niners and the Seahawks have all had strong success, right? So, Well, maybe that's what Denver was thinking. They're going, we have a team that's built for a, for a Super Bowl run. We just don't have a quarterback. Well, and, and I in forget a division of quarterbacks. We need a quarterback, and then we're, we suddenly, you know, vault to the top of the pile. Yeah, I think I brought it up in in one of our chats where we were talking about going after Aaron Rodgers, and 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 I know the Himes were uh, supremely negative on that idea. No, uh, rightly so. <laughs> but but I was sitting there going like, just from a business management point of view, how do you tell your fans? that you're going out and genuinely trying to win in that division if you're sitting there going, yeah, we're going to ride with Drew Locke this year. That That's very difficult. So no. you have to go out, you have to get somebody to say, yeah, we're, we're making an effort to get better. Uh, now, I thought if they didn't get Rodgers, they might be looking at like Kirk Cousins or something. Uh, but Russ is a whole lot better than that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Consolation prize if you miss out on Aaron yeah. Sulky Rogers over there. So No, no, I, I would genuinely pick Russ over Aaron any yes. day of the week, yes. um, especially given that he's 33. Um, 
giving Aaron Rodgers that massive contract that we're going to talk about in a second um, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me at 38 years old. For me, Russ at 33, uh, he's still got two years left on his contract. I don't know if they're going to renegotiate right away. I think they probably have a year to kind of kick the tires on him. I mean, before. kick the tires. They're not kicking the tires on nothing. They're, they're, but yeah, they establishing get a year at, like, his next right. contract value. They get that's all I mean year, by kicking the right. tires. They get a year of sub thirty million dollar. Yeah, it's it's twenty four million dollars this year, and and then they see where they land on his it's next contract. Crazy how that's all he's making per year. But yeah, the, like after this is going to be after this contract will be definitely if Aaron Rodgers is getting the fifties in his late thirties, then Russell Wilson is at least worth the, like the forties. In his late thirties, right? So, right now, like next year, yeah. watch he signs. He signs for the same thing. I mean, yeah. Rogers just set the new benchmark. You don't yeah. think somebody is going to eclipse that in the next 12, uh, 12 months? Erroneously, but he did set the new benchmark. Yeah, it's anyways. We'll get to that. But yeah, um, I agree with you, Will. I think Denver going after Russ instead of Aaron was definitely a better choice. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any question there. And they'd probably have to give up the same thing to get Aaron. Mm-hmm. Probably more. That's like, what I was saying, too. I, I don't think they would have given up any less to get Rodgers uh, as far as draft picks. I know some of what was being bandied about beforehand was actually three firsts <laughs> for Rodgers. Um, but I, I think they got a better deal with Russ. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to jump in quick there, too. Um I know I'm. Uh, it's no secret I'm not the biggest Rogers fan on this uh, podcast here, but uh, you, you folks remember in all our chats before uh, before we started this podcast how many years I've been defending Russell Wilson and how many years I've been saying I think Russell Wilson is better than Rogers even before the consecutive MVPs. So as far as I'm concerned, um, even if we made the if we wanted to like concede on the on the idea that Rogers is marginally better than Russ, which I don't, but let's let's assume that's true. <laughs> let's assume that's true. Let's assume that's true. There's no way 38-year-old uh, pouty-faced Aaron Rodgers is worth <laughs> three first-round picks. There's no way he's worth the haul that they just give up for Russell Wilson. In any single GM's mind, you get a guy who, at worst, even if I am saying something I don't believe in, he is 5% worse than than Aaron Rodgers. Let's say let's say Russell Wilson is 95% of, of Aaron Rodgers. There's no way Rodgers is worth all that bullshit he brings to the table for that extra 5%. There's no way. And the fact that he keeps getting bounced in playoff games at home. <laughs> okay. Come on. Okay. I mean, until this year, Rodgers didn't go along with a whole lot of bullshit. Like, his teammates like him. His coaches like him. Like, I mean, while well, yeah, I pay. His current teammates uh, like Sorry, him. I say his that. teammates hate him. Mike McCarthy maybe didn't get along with him all, all that well. And, like, Greg I just, Jennings I'm not saying, didn't. I'm not saying that. Didn't. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You guys win. I take that back. But he's not, listen, he's not like a total shit disturber. Let's put it that way. Um, I agree with you, though. Like, I just don't see how you trade that haul for a guy who's 38 years old. I know he's still arguably in his prime. He just won two MVPs. So whether or not you agree with him getting in the two MVPs, he's still a top five quarterback in the league. I, I don't care who you are or how much you hate him. You, you can't argue that. That's true. Um, I could try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and I think, like, I don't think he's top five. I think he's probably top two or three. But you can make an argument that 
it's just not worth it at 38 years old mm. to give that up for a guy. Now, you could also make the argument that it is worth it if it means you win a Super Bowl, right? The Rams threw a lot of picks at a lot of people to build a team to make a run at the Super Bowl, and their cap is all kinds of wacky right now. But they won a Super Bowl, so it all doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I would so, I would very quickly say the only the only quarterback in history over the age 38 that be worth that kind of haul, in my opinion, is Tom Brady. But besides that, not a single NFL quarterback in history is worth that haul. Okay, here's the flip side of that. At 38 years old, nobody thought Tom Brady was worth that. Everybody True. thought Tom Brady was about to be washed up. Now yeah, Tom Brady. Right now that Tom Brady's played to 44. He's opened this whole brand new set of doors. Aaron Rodgers should be buying Tom Brady dinner. Mm -hmm. And then some. And then some. (laughs) Because if this is the first time a 38-year-old is like, if Aaron Rodgers is 38 and trying to get a massive contract, people are laughing him out the door if Tom Brady hadn't already gone to 44. And won three Supals after the age of 38. (laughs) Right. Like, that's the only reason he gets this enormous contract. So, um... Anyways, let, let's finish up with Russ first of all, and then we'll move on to Aaron. I mean, we're, we're just wading right into the Aaron Rodgers contract, and we can listen. We're going to hammer that home. But as far as Russ goes, can I just say something from a Niners fan perspective? This makes me very happy because. <laughs> I, I, listen, and that's stating the obvious, but more than just we don't have to play Russ anymore, the Seahawks don't have one of the top five quarterbacks in the league anymore. I mean, that's I mean, that's arguable, but whatever. This is great for me because I actually like Russ. I actually like watching him play. I like the way he plays the quarterback position. And for the last 10 years, I haven't been able to cheer for him. I've ha- actually had to like hold a grudge against him mm-hmm. because he plays for the Seahawks, our most hated nemesis. So now he plays for Denver. Cool. I can cheer for Russ all the time. I'm like, exactly. I'm, a, I'm a new Russ fanboy. Yeah, I was thinking that too, actually. Like, I can actually cheer for the Broncos again now. Like, they give me a reason to care. <laughs> like, in, in an AFC, and also in an AFC that's been dominated now by young quarterbacks, like, I'm interested to see how an old veteran guy who's been there before right. actually had success in the playoffs, how he does against his field when he's the only old guy in that field, right? He's the only veteran there. The only guy in the AFC that can match Russ's postseason uh, kind of resume is Pat Mahomes and Pat Mahomes himself is having some growing pains now. Right. So I'm curious to see kind of like how we get like a, a more finished product in rust right now, how he, what happens if you plop him in to a, what seems like a super Bowl or what feels like a super ready team yeah. with that offense. Right. So it's going to be really team, new, city, and- new coaches, new system. I mean, it's going to be, Oh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. The best team he's ever had offensively speaking by far and away. Yeah. And, and uh, what was it we were looking up last week that the only quarterbacks uh, from the 2021 season that are older than Pat Mahomes, um, who have a winning record against winning teams, Tom Brady and Russ Wilson. All right. So he's now the elder yeah. statesman. He is. And now he has a running it game. Down. Yeah. Now he has a running game, which he hasn't for what? Five years. <laughs> Maybe yeah. more. Right when at, when did when did Beast Mode leave? I mean, I know he came back for a year, but he he was well over the hill by then. Like he hasn't had a running game in five yeah. years, or an O line, and he's playing with. I mean, Lockett's underrated, and he's had DK the last couple of years, so his receiving core has turned into something 
pretty pretty special. But like you can't stay upright long enough to get them the ball is when they need. Yeah, to. yeah it, it's just, his so receiving many. core kind of went up at the same time as his O line went down, and and the result was maybe. But so, what I'm curious about is why would Seattle trade him? Like. And I, aside from the obvious argument, well, they got all these picks, so they made him an offer they can't refuse, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, but it, this is a generational quarterback. This is a, a franchise quarterback. This is what teams spend a decade trying to find. And you just well, traded him away yeah. in his prime. Like, well, there I must think- have been some serious stuff going on there in the background that we don't know about. I know we've heard grumblings, and I know we heard that there's some issues last year, and he. They, they were talking about trade and this and that, but there's no details. I'm just wondering if, if it'll ever surface, like what was really going on there? Because there had to have been something really significant. Like this is a divorce where you're citing irreconcilable differences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, and the reason I don't is because there it's, it's no secret that Russ and Pete Carroll hadn't seen eye to eye. But still, Russell Wilson has publicly stated before, and, and until given a reason to, to believe otherwise, I will always believe his public statements. He was still going to be Captain Seahawk, team player, right? I think what happened was the Seahawks realized, hey, we've still finished under 500, um, and we still have the generation quarterback. We are not a team that's equipped to build around this quarterback right now. They would have had him for the next three, four years and still not be able to field a competitive team, no matter how good he is. That's how bad the roster was and how low, how low their war chest of assets was. So I really think they thought, hey, the best thing for our club, despite having a generational Hall of Fame quarterback, is actually to let him go and bring this Hall in and then reboot. Because even if we had this guy on our roster, we don't have the assets to build around him. And, That's and how I see it. To that point, Chris, I think they could be my best summarize by saying the reason that Russell Wilson isn't a Seahawk is because Jamal Adams is. Like that's seriously, <laughs> seriously. That's good point. That, like in the sense where it's like that, like the Seahawks' awful like use of draft capital, the other awful roster building. That move was such a miss. Like they they could have used. I'm not saying if they use those two first round picks in the draft, then it would turn into players. But they could have used those two first round picks for established guys in the NFL. That's what Bill Belichick's been doing forever these past or few years. Trade really. back and get a bunch of second or, and third or and just trade capital for established players. Bill Belichick knows he can't draft receivers outside of Nikhil Harry. That's the first guy he's ever taken in the first round. He always picks up established veterans either through free agency or through the trade. They could have used those two first-round picks and gotten a weapon somehow else, but they instead use it on a safety who has more sacks and interceptions. Like, I get that you want to play defense and stuff, but, like, that's he's not worth two first-round picks. Literally, Russell Wilson is worth two first-round picks, not a safety. That's why he's no longer a Seahawk because the team, despite the fact that he was a generational quarterback, couldn't let him – couldn't build a team that could actually help him win. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just have a hard time justifying. Like, how do you let how do you let that happen? How do you get rid of your your franchise quarterback like that? It just seems. I don't know. I mean, this is why we don't see these trades so often. This is why this trade is so huge and so crazy. It just doesn't happen. Like, you just don't get rid of those guys. To me, <laughs> you to figure me, it out. Seen, it, it kind of Rogers, who was like all but out the door. The Packers figured out a way to keep him in the building. And they just probably blew their brains out for the next four years, and they're not going to be able to afford anybody. But Well, honestly, to me, it seems like they were doing him a favor, the Seahawks. Like, hey, we couldn't build you an offensive line. You always had a top, or sorry, bottom half offensive line with the occasional outlier of, congrats, you had a top nine offensive <laughs> line. That might have been his peak offensive line ever, right? But 
I think it, to me, it kind of seems like, okay, you know what? Uh, it's best for us. It's best for Russ as well. Let's just get it done. It's not quite as magnanimous as the Lions shipping off Stafford, but it's not too far from that, I don't think. Yeah, you're probably right, Chris. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's how the, the argument goes. I guess I just wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I w- I'm with you. I wouldn't have let him out the door. And I if it's yeah. Carroll or Russ, sorry, Pete, time to yeah. retire. I agree with you. See you later. Too. Right? It's like the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers thing. If you guys can't get along, Mike, you're gone. Sorry, man. I agree. But, I agree, but Pete Carroll has that organization by the by the cojones, so he wasn't losing that power. So. <laughs> <the> short and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For some uh, inexplicable reason, because honestly, I, I think Pete Carroll should have been removed from personnel decisions in that club a while ago, and and whoever they have below him doing personnel decisions should have been uh, excused because <laughs> I. <laughs> I don't believe the Seahawks have been a well-run personnel um, department for quite some time. There's no reason they couldn't have built a good team around Russ, and instead they just eliminated talent. Yeah, I don't disagree. All right, so, I mean, well done, Broncos. I think that was the swing (laughs) you needed to take. I think you nailed it, and... Now you've got your franchise quarterback for the next six to ten years. So, good job. Yeah, so this this is it, I think. Um, given, given the Seahawks' um, poor choices in round one and two, the last, uh, you know, nine years, I think Denver has resoundingly won this trade. Oh, yeah. Agreed. If the Seahawks were a better drafting organization, I think you'd be different. But since they drafted Russ Wilson in in 2012, so every draft since that point, they have gotten zero Pro Bowls, zero first-team All-Pros out of their round one selections. They've gotten four Pro Bowls three of which were Frank Clark, and he got them after he left Seattle. Yuck. <laughs> and, and no first-team All-Pros from round two. So their first and second round picks have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I, don't, I don't genuinely believe that they're going to be able to capitalize on those picks, even though it looks like a nice haul. Yeah, I, I don't think it gets them out. No faith. I have no faith in them either. So, all right. Do we have anything else to say about Russ? Just nope. The the Broncos going with highway robbery there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and the other part of this is he's won a Super Bowl more recently than Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> and he's been to a second. Let's go with that too. <laughs> he's won. He's won a championship game in in Lambo more recently than Rogers has. Let's say that. Too. <laughs> okay, so do we want to move on to the Rogers contract? Yeah, why not? So Rogers is thirty eight years old, and he was, I guess, he negotiated uh, a contract extension for four years, which will pay him two hundred million dollars with one hundred and fifty three million guaranteed. At an average of fifty million per year. So, 
with the salary cap going up. Well, I don't know what yeah. it was last year. It's yeah, going, it's going up about twenty-two million this yeah, year. Yeah, so it's going to be at two hundred eight point two, I believe. Rogers is going to be taking up twenty-two percent of the Packers salary cap with a twenty twenty-two cap hit of forty-six and change, forty-six million and change. And I think and did I read that Zedarius uh, Smith is gone? Like they're getting rid of him, or they're not? Or was that just that they weren't franchise tagging him? Well, he just took his salary in addition to uh, his his previous thirty three and a half million. So I guess that's yeah. Darius Smith. I mean, Will and I touched on this last week, but like he's basically getting sixteen and a half million dollars more. That's at least two B plus tier level players and like one solid A level player in this league, like on the defensive side of the ball. Like that's a lot of talent that you're just saying Aaron Rodgers is now worth, but you're still getting that's one less player for which for he can that can make an impact for him. Right, yep. so yeah. I don't, and, I don't understand. This. And let me let me jump in as well quickly here. Uh, I saw a statistic. I think it might have been on the Cowherd show a few weeks ago. So I'm just going to shout them out. They're a small podcast as well. I'm not sure if anyone's heard them before, but so, <laughs> but so uh, they made a they made a point where they were talking about how since I think Tom Brady uh, first entered the league, no quarterback who made more than 12 percent of the cap, which was Tom Brady. Uh, has ever won a Super Bowl. No quarterback more making more than 12% of the Caps won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers now making 22% of the cap. The Green Bay Packers are not winning another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. It is not happening. I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't see how they can sign the players that they're going to need to build the team around him if they're paying him that much money. I just... I All of the... Um, all of the stuff he said in the last year about team and it's not about money it's about being valued and my my input i've earned you know having input into decisions and being consulted and it's being respected and those are those are the important things to me and blah 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 and all of this other stuff and then the instagram posts about the last dance and holding it like all of that just gets washed down the drain like it's kind of like you just took fifty million a year. You just got one hundred and fifty-three million guaranteed, and we're supposed to believe a word that comes out of your mouth. Yeah, I think Politifact gave him three Pinocchios for that. Oh well, no! Okay, so that was then. Now he's vindictive. <laughs> oh, on top of being a shitty teammate and a, and a choker <laughs> in the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> the list of adjectives just don't end for Aaron Rodgers. You, you, you didn't. Right. You didn't value me before, right. so now you going to, be to value about that. me. Yeah, yeah. It used to be about that. I used to be a good person. I was giving you <laughs> honest input, and I just wanted to be valued and and be heard. And you didn't, you couldn't do that for me. So, fuck it. You, you know that that, or he just you yeah. know misspoke because he's immunized. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we go hard in the paint against Aaron Rodgers. Folks, we've been now, now seven years. Like, funny, funny thing. Um, at least if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, Aaron Rodgers will not be the largest cap hit in 2022. Zeke Elliott will be. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan yeah. has a cap hit of uh, over that. 48 million dollars. 
let's be honest here, folks. Is there much difference between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers right now? I would say no, besides a couple trumped-up MVPs. <laughs> no. The, the, the list of biggest cap hits is it kind of depressing because you got Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, yep. Deshaun Watson, and Ryan Tannehill. Honestly, he fits right in with that company. <laughs> I'm not being facetious. He slides right the fuck in. <laughs> uh yeah, but it, it's funny. It's just how contracts are, are structured and which teams let their quarterbacks kind of slide towards the end of their contracts where they start getting those those big values. Um, now, Rodgers is the only one on that list who's near the start of his contract. So that part's the interesting one, too. He's right. starting at a $47 million. Right. Contract. Ryan's was done with like a, we're not, we're just going to renegotiate at the oh. end of that and like spread the cap hit out over yes. some more years or whatever. They'll fix that. Um, sorry, just this just in 28 minutes ago, Schefter posted <laughs> that uh, the Seahawks have informed eight time all pro pro bowl linebacker, Bobby Wagner, that he is uh, going to be released. Oof. Oof. The rebuild is on in Seattle. Sorry. So, end of an era. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's all that shocking. I mean, he's a 10, 10 year linebacker. It's, I mean, folks, I think Pete Carroll might be going too. He's 70. Run. He's 70. I think Pete Carroll in the next two months might be on the way out. Yeah. But he has the energy of a 24 year old. I get that. But like, <laughs> I don't think he wants to do, he probably has more energy than me. Let's be honest. Maybe he just takes over personnel full time. Are you 24? <laughs> no, no, I'm, 20, I'm 26, but all right. But, still, but I, I think, I, I don't I don't see Pete Carroll sticking around for a rebuild because th- this Seattle roster now now sans Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, this Seattle roster is four years away from being competitive in that division. Considering Matt Stafford's still there, Kyler Murray's there, and Trey Lance can be popping off in twenty twenty three. So right. they are far off from competing in the NFC West. Now, who wants to see Bobby Wagner follow Russell <laughs> to Denver? Like, I want to see him come to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, um, I don't want to see him. I honestly, he, he, I don't want to see him go to, to my team. I'm sorry, I, I'm not saying he sucks, but man, he he still made Pro Bowl this year. All Did team he? second oh. second team All Pro had 93 solo tackles. Okay, yeah, Niners, you can like, go sign him. That'd be great. I'd love like, to take him off. <laughs> like take him off the scrap heap. That's actually not a bad idea. He's only 31. He's still got two or three years left. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I, you know, I, I don't I don't mind him. I no no I, I like I've him. always liked Bobby Wagner. That's great. Now I get to cheer for him too. There's <laughs> another player I get to cheer for. I had to dislike him. I was forced to dislike these guys, and now now they're my favorites. Um. Yeah. All right. So, Aaron Rodgers. Do we have anything else to say about this other than it's an ungodly number of amount of money to spend on a guy who's 38 years old? And um, mm. I imagine he'll probably be quote unquote elite for the next three years, two or three years, which is the length of the contract. Nobody really expects him to get through the fourth year, although maybe. And it won't win anything meaningful in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen. It'll be yeah. what happened the past few years. Right. He'll put up great numbers. Everyone in Green Bay will fawn over him. The Cheeseheads will be happy. And then come January, he'll be miserable when they're realizing he can't win in the post. Oh, so one other thing. Yeah, I feel bad for the fans, honestly. Like, I don't want... I, if there's Green Bay fans listening here, like, I don't want you to feel like we're attacking you as a fan base. I kind of do. I just think you're... Your team kind of screwed up here. Like I, I honestly, I, I think it's yeah. a little outrageous how much you're paying him. And and how are you going to keep Devonte Adams? 
So you tagged Franchise him. I saw that. They, yeah. I know. So they tagged him. So he, they keep him around for at least one more year. Yeah. But Rogers on the Rogers takes up twenty two point one percent of the cap. Devontae Adams takes up nine and a half percent of the cap. Thirty percent, right there. Right. They're taking twenty million. They're giving twenty million to Devontae Adams and fifty million to Aaron Rodgers. Seventy million dollars to two players. Now, I recognize how much those two players contribute to that offense, but wow, like, how is this sustainable? I don't see Honestly, it as Devonte. I don't think it is. Devonte plays one more year, and then they got to let him go because they can't afford him. Mm-hmm. I with you. I don't honestly, know how you justify keeping him around. You're going to pay that much money to those two players. You're not going to have anybody else. Your defense. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye, offensive line. How are you going to keep Bakhtiari on a long right. time after that? And Bakhtiari is, is like one of the only reasons Aaron Rodgers wants to stay because outside of uh, Devontae Adams, I think Bakhtiari is the only human he likes in Wisconsin. Right, and he's seven percent of the cap. They're paying yeah. him fifteen million, and he's underpaid. I think the Bakhtiari. But so, to, just to very quickly touch on what you were saying, well, like there was, or sorry, Nick, there was part of me that was really hoping that Rodgers would get traded or at least kind of like step away a la Tom Brady, step away for a couple months, then inevitably come back to another team. But I have always been a fan of the Packers. And I the same way you were saying, uh, you can now cheer for Russell Wilson. I'm thinking I want Rodgers to leave so I can finally cheer for the Packers again. <laughs> I haven't cheered for the Packers since Favre was the quarterback. And I miss cheering for Green Bay. That's a great team. It's a great organization. Lots of history. I want to cheer for you again, guys. Just get rid of Rodgers. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a whole lot of love for Aaron Rodgers in this in this room. Um, All right, I don't know what else there is to say about that. It's just okay. So I don't. I guess I'm not that shocked either that he's staying with Green Bay. Me neither. Honestly, I didn't think that he was genuinely worth it um, for another team based on what it would take to bring him in. Yeah, I, I thought he was worth more to Green Bay than anybody else. Uh, I don't know that I think he's worth what he got from Green Bay, um, but I think I think he was worth more to them than anybody else. Yeah, and he's on a championship team right now. Like, he, he's not going to get a better team if he goes somewhere else. Let's put it that way. No, exactly. He's not, he's not going from the Lions to the Rams. Like, he, he's... No. He's already in Green Bay. He already had the first seed last year, got a league MVP. And you play in a questionable decision, honestly. Or sorry. You you play in a you play in a questionable division. If you go to Denver, you're now putting yourself in probably the best division in the AFC. Which is and, and that's the thing is like that's where it, it works out even better for Denver too because like Russell Wilson is literally built for that division. He's coming from the only division of harder in the NFL, and versus Aaron Rodgers coming from one of the more cupcake divisions in the NFL, where the Vikings are regressing. You've got the perpetually woeful Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears who can't keep firing or hiring the wrong Matt and Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <Kind> of, <laughs> I mean, hundred percent to me, NFC North was um, the worst group of second, third, fourth teams of any division in the league. Like outside of Green Bay, they had the worst division yeah. in the league. There was no one that was actually threatening to be a playoff anything. Yeah. All right. Anyways, I guess now the interesting part, and we can probably get into this in future episodes, is what what does this mean for the dominoes now to fall for the rest of the teams that are looking for quarterbacks and 
What does this mean for the draft that's coming up? Because as much as we've heard that the draft is not great for quarterbacks, that it's one of the more lackluster drafts for quarterbacks in the last 10 years. Um, you know, coming out of the combine and I'm reading these uh, mock drafts, I still see maybe two or three quarterbacks. Going I, I in the first feel like round, I potentially. So. I feel like I see it every year and I don't know, I think Phil and I might have touched on it in our in our last episode or bonus episode um, was that there's this weird like draft momentum draft hype happens every year regardless of whether it's a good actual class, particularly at the quarterback position. As you get closer to the draft, there's always a bunch of analysts and there's always a bunch of teams that start psyching themselves into a decision. Totally. They, they talk they, themselves they, into it. They, yeah. They're looking for that diamond in the rough and, and they convince themselves that it exists. And then they end up drafting guys like Christian Ponder in the first round. Yeah. I know I kind of pick on him, but th- there have been a number of quarterbacks that oh, maybe I mean, didn't deserve right. a first round grade that go. Because there's yeah. a run what was the guy that said Buffalo drafted Manuel? Yeah, EJ Manuel. EJ Manuel, right? He wasn't. He came from another draft that was ho hum at the quarterback position, and he went what twelfth overall, seventh overall. Like he still went in the first round. Yeah. Well, I keep hearing. Anyways, I just think the other part of it is there's this argument that is so frequently made when drafting quarterbacks that it's better to take a shot on a guy than to miss on a guy. You know, you get beaten to you, you get beaten, um, beaten up for years and years. If you pass on the guy that turns into Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, or, you know, pick your quarterback. If you don't draft that guy, you look stupid. And everybody's talking about it for years to come. So I feel like a lot of GMs let that psych them out. It gets into their head. And even though their evaluation might say, look, Malik Willis, as athletic as he is, he's not a first-round quarterback. And they go, yeah, but he's really athletic. He's he's special, and I can train him up, and I can't miss on this. Like, if he's the next Russell Wilson we need him on our team and they draft him. Well, and, and I think uh, we, we discussed this earlier in the season, more geared at kind of Trey Lance that um, I, I do believe that there's this, this coaching hubris effect as well, where coaches think, Oh, but I can coach him up. Right. <laughs> right. He, he's got the physical tools. I can, I can coach him into an NFL quarterback. I'm right. not good. And, and coaches have you, that. Yeah, exactly. And GMs believe that they can create a system and, and, and build surround a team, him with the right surround pieces. Surround him, that, exactly. Surround him with the right team and the right pieces and, and situation that allows him to learn and develop and will bring him along slow. And then he'll turn into this Patrick Mahomes diamond in the rough. And then they draft him, and then he starts week one because <laughs> like, they just don't have the patience for it, right? Very seldom yeah. you see the guy sit for a year like, um, you know, Trey Lance or Patrick Mahomes or even Aaron Rodgers back in the day. 
Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, anyways, I don't know. We'll see. The last one I saw, the last mock draft I read today, had three quarterbacks going in the first round. So um, Pickett, uh, Willis, and Sam Howell. So yeah, and we it, shall see. What is it? Doesn't doesn't Kenny Pickett have like an eight tiny hands? Uh, hands yeah, fan. tiny hands. Tiny hands. <laughs> like, whoops. No, that, they're not even that tiny though. That's the funny part. I mean, they're tiny. Yeah, they're the smallest in the NFL, and they're probably the smallest <laughs> since whatever. I think they've they've done this, you know, in fifteen years or something. I don't know. The, the whole hand size thing makes me laugh a little bit, but I mean, he has the same size hands as Mike Vick. Okay. When I heard that, I was kind of like, all right, whatever. I mean, Mike Vick, Mike Vick, I guess, had small hands. And, man, he would run through a whole team carrying that ball like a loaf of bread. I don't think he fumbled any more than anybody else. (laughs) No, no. I mean, honestly, I I don't think it's largely the fumbling. I think they have uh, at least loosely tied um, hand size to accuracy. Uh You, You just have a little bit more control with the bigger hand, but I don't know how strong that tie is. I haven't looked into it. I don't know whether it's like a really strong causal relationship. They're making a big deal out of it because technically he has the smallest hands in the NFL, but literally his hands are like eight and a half inches. And there's a bunch of guys that have nine inch hands. So I'm like, does that half inch really make all that much of a difference? I don't know. It gets that pinky just right around the ball. You know these guys (laughs) prep for their hand measurement. They go to massage therapists and they do stretch, Stretch stretching exercises for like months beforehand. Because it makes a difference in the draft. Right, because people talk about it. So if that's the case, if he's going to a massage therapist and doing stretching exercises just to get his hands to eight and a half, maybe he does have tiny hands. (laughs) Maybe maybe they're pretty small. (laughs) Now, now this is jumping tracks a little bit, but um, I I don't know if you saw, I tweeted out... uh, this week, um, there were some interesting stats getting thrown around with regards to wide receivers and the cone drill, and the fact that fewer and fewer wide receivers are doing the cone drill, and a lot fewer are actually excelling at it. Okay. Meanwhile, you tweeted out uh, a great little segment with um, was it Greg Cosell talking about how wide receiver straight line speed is not a great indicator of success in the NFL. Right. 40 times is like, how often do you get a receiver who gets a clear 40 to run? Yeah. And how often do you see a guy who runs like a four, three and he doesn't actually turn into a special receiver. We see those guys every year. Yeah. You These need guys, guys with quickness, right? With the change of direction. Exactly. Um, and so it's interesting that because the draft is further and further focused on 40 times, receivers are focusing on that in their training and they're actually not even participating in the cone drill because it's not what they're training for. Well, that seems silly. I, I agree. So it's just, it's an interesting trend in the draft and, yeah. it, and it goes to what we're talking about with guys training themselves and prepping themselves for specific metrics that they know will affect their draft stock. Yeah. And, the and, then, 40 and then is going to affect their draft stock more right. than the cone drill. And then look at guys like, um, um, Cooper cup who doesn't get drafted really high. He goes behind a whole bunch of other receivers and then he does what he did this year. 
winning the triple crown and breaking every receiving record. And it's, he's not a straight line speed guy, but he runs great routes. He knows coverages. He, he's got quickness. He's shifty. He knows how to separate, you know, separation doesn't come from just running past somebody, you know, and that was the point Cosell was making is how often does a receiver just run past coverage? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, there's Almost a place for those guys in the NFL. I'm not saying that it's not useful, but anyways, yeah. All right. Um, do we want to talk about anything else? Let, let's not get into – we can get into some more free agency stuff and and whatnot next week. Um, I feel like we got to touch on the Calvin Ridley thing. Let's not spend too long on it, though. I don't know how much there really is to say about it other than the news is he got busted for gambling on games – Using FanDuel, uh, okay, <laughs> and I guess it was in his when he was injured, so he wasn't actively playing. He wasn't gambling in games that he was playing in. I don't think he gambled on his own team, but he gambled on NFL games, and that's a big no-no. Dude, get your brother-in-law to call in to a bookie that why is he actually gambling why did why i don't know on FanDuel, like, like he's probably on. on his phone yeah you're gambling with the biggest digital sports bookie that just got legalized in the u.s like the nfl just partnered with these guys what two years ago like this yeah, was what the know. NFL was worried about with this is why they kept gambling away from football for so long and they refused to partner with any sort of gambling you know platform or company or anything anyways I, I'm not I don't expect it to be a trend it just seems really stupid like what are you doing it's disappointing um, <laughs> it's not entirely uh, out of line with some of these other players that um, have just had some level of impulse control issues, whether whether it had to do with actual substances or it's just like yeah. they're partaking in behaviors that are putting their entire career and income at risk. And it doesn't make any logical sense. So uh, I don't know what to make of it. I, I'm disappointed because I like, Calvin Ridley and I was I was hoping to see him back in the league and tearing it up this year. Yeah. But uh yeah, you know, and and because of how it speaks to the integrity of the game, I know a lot of people are are bent out of shape about um the suspension length relative to some of the domestic violence cases. Yeah. And and I don't disagree. Um but I, I understand the business aspect of it that anything that attacks the integrity of the game, they are going to take the most serious. Yeah. I, I don't want to get into comparing it apples to apples because I don't think it necessarily is. And, and the, no. I'm going to qualify that. The, the reason I say that is no, if you just look at it at face value, somebody getting four games for domestic violence and him getting 17 for gambling seems totally out of whack. And it is, sorry, it shouldn't, it doesn't just seem it is, it doesn't make any sense, but just because the league was 
messed up when like they screwed up bad when they gave a guy only when they only gave a guy four games for something like that doesn't mean that this suspension is wrong you know what i mean like every year the league is trying to get better and improve the way they deal with things and improve and improve their disciplinary process do i think him getting suspended for a season for gambling on games that he i mean games that he wasn't involved in i i i guess so I mean, I think you got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. And that line is you just can't gamble. You are not, not on anything in this league. Anything period. to do with the NFL. I think yeah. if you start parsing, well, it was a game that you weren't involved in and you were injured and you had no inside knowledge and this and that, then it it becomes far too murky and nebulous to try and sort out what the right punishment is. So I don't disagree that the punishment needs to be harsh and send a message that there will be no tolerance for any gambling of any sort by employees of the NFL on the NFL. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think, I, honestly, I don't think it's productive to compare it to previous suspensions that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago because, yeah, there was issues with those suspensions. Yeah, and, and realistically, a lot of them should be more severe today. Um, if they were were to come out today, yeah. The as comparison far would as be, I mean, if a suspension happened last week, yeah. <laughs> if if those suspensions happened a week apart, and you're you're comparing them, or it happened this season, and you're comparing them, maybe. But I mean, these suspensions happened years ago, and yeah, everybody was, you know, up in arms about them at the time. So, yeah. Anyways, Anyways okay. Disappointing, um, but. Hopefully we don't see any more. I hope he gets his, himself together. Yeah, I, I hope he does his, you know, serves his time and comes back next year and um, comes back stronger than before. So, agreed. All right, let's uh, let's leave it there. Let's end it there. There's plenty to talk about, but um, we'll uh, we'll get into it next week. Okay. Sounds good. Good. Great. Awesome. Great job. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Take care.